I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. With Renault, official car partner of the GAA, taking the passion of a nation to a whole new gear. Today's show is brought to you by Renault, official car partner of the GAA. With a proud tradition in Ireland, Renault are committed to supporting those who give their everything to the game, both on and off the field. And after another hard-fought road to Croker, they understand as well as yourselves how important it is to enjoy the journey. That passion for what drives you extends to the time you spend on the road. With that in mind, head to renault.ie forward slash GAA for access to special motoring offers exclusive to GAA members. A, a, a grain of rice, a, a, a grain of rice, is going to tip the scale. Just remember that, lad. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now, come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Our mission was to show that we're no longer the whipping boys of Munster. OK, folks, uh, you're very welcome uh, up to Cork again for the Irish Examiner GA podcast, brought to you by Renault. Uh, we're joined in studio by former Kerry manager Eamon Fitzmaurice and current Cork uh, manager Ronan McCarthy. With Tony Lean overseeing proceedings as always and Larry Ryan on sound. It's been a really busy weekend. Two big games, two big semi-finals. You were, were you up? You were up? You up, Eamon? Yeah. I was, uh, Michal. Yeah, I was there for the two games. You enjoyed your weekend. I did. Yeah, it was different. Happy, uh, different kind of a look uh, after after yesterday. I suppose we'll we'll start with with. Well, the bigger one to to us for for the most people in the room was was Kerry and, and Tyrone, and I suppose people weren't overly confident. Kerry weren't weren't favourites going into the game. It looked it looked something kind of you know dangerous that that they could get caught. I suppose really. Yeah, I think a lot of us we were unsure. We were unsure, probably more so about Tyrone than ourselves. What level Tyrone were going to bring because. Um, you know they've had a mixed bag of championship where they've been very good in some games and then they haven't been as good in other games uh, you know against Cork and against Ronan they were off it in the first half and the lads had a great first half and then the second half they were a different animal completely so um, we weren't we weren't too sure what Tyrone were going to bring but from the Kerry perspective um, you know the second half in particular and the final 15 minutes the way they closed it out was, was very satisfying Yeah and, and like you mentioned like the half the, or the, the game he had against them Ronan obviously I think that that probably put I, I'm not sure if that put Tyrone back a level in terms of maybe they had been blown up a little bit through their their, their procession through the qualifiers and then and then Cork really you know could have got a could have got a result out of them and, and and certainly played some some serious football and punched holes in them regularly in the first half and only for Matty Donnelly that day Ronan you know you could have you could have come away with the result Yeah I, I wouldn't have felt that Tyrone were, were favourites for the game yesterday. I think a lot of the games, you know, Donegal, Mayo as well, they're very hard to call, you know, in advance. Um, and, you know, I don't think people should be that surprised that that, that, that Kerry won yesterday. Um, you know, look, I think they had every chance going into it. They, they, they have quality up front and and the question was, you know, would they get the, with those forwards get the opportunity? And look, as the game wore on, they did. 
Um, and you know, I suppose where Matty Donnelly's influence against us probably grew in the second half. It, it you know it didn't in this game yesterday. Um, Peter Hart never got into the game really. Um, again, he had a, you know a, a better second half against us. So look, I think Harry kind of took control and um, I suppose nullified maybe not so much with McShane, but um, other than that, nullified the influence of um, I suppose Tyrone's key players. Nice sudden taking off. Um, which he didn't seem pleased about, and um, you know, so I don't think there's any great surprise, you know. And we could have been sitting here with Tyrone winning as well, and saying, you know, you know, I think they were two very tight games, but yeah. um, to call, um, but um, look, Kerry definitely deserved it yesterday. And and those key matchups were interesting, Fitzy, weren't they? I mean, like Tom Sullivan, Tom Sullivan did a did a fantastic job on on uh, Peter Hart. I don't think Peter Hart's had a had a brilliant year by his own standards. He hasn't he hasn't probably played the football that that we've seen him you know in the past couple of years. But like Tom Sullivan is a guy is after really growing in the last couple of games into a really key kind of defender for Kerry. And like in your like was he was he a guy with that kind of defensive capability in your day? He was. Um, I think. You know, to, Tommy Griffin's relationship with him through the school would be um, probably pivotal in the roles that he's been given. He would have been, you know, in school's football, we would have always had him uh, when he was in the back. Sometimes we had to play him in the forwards out of necessity because he can play up there as well. But he was always given the danger man um, himself. And Brian would have been, Brian uh, Begley would have been marking the two danger men in the opposition. So he's, he's good at that r- role because particularly when you're marking the likes of a Peter Hart or a Jamie Brennan as he did in the last game where you can he can go roving all over the field and he can hurt the opposition he's very flexible he can play in the full back line he can do a man marking job in there but then if you know as with Peter Hart yesterday if he starts roving all over the field he's comfortable going with him he has the engine he was a cross country runner as a young fella as well so he's a big engine he's quick and uh, he can hurt you in the scoreboard as well so I think the only challenge with Tom for the last couple of seasons was getting um, used to the physicality of intercounty football more so than anything else because all the other tools were there. And, uh, you know, he had a very good season for us as well last season, playing wing back more so than that kind mm-hmm. of man marker going after fellas. And uh, this year he's taken it on to another level and, you know, very satisfa- satisfying to see it. Yeah, but like you, Jamie Brennan against Donegal. Jamie Brennan came in with a massive, you know, he was having a huge season and, and one of Donegal's best scorers. And and again, no, the last with Peter Hart, like that's that's two serious notches he's after putting on, on the on the post. For a guy, when Kerry, were, we were talking about defenders, we have loads of forwards and, you know, they're producing plenty of high quality guys up that side of the field. The likes of Tom Sullivan now is emerging as a guy that you're saying he can do a job on a, on a key opposition back, uh, a key opposition forward, which which wasn't there. And even Marley on, on Matty Donnelly was another guy who, who had a good game. You know, Jason Foley probably, like I still think he actually did as well as a lot of people could have done in the situation that he was presented with, which was Carl McShane, who has been the best forward in the country this year. And he's left in kind of 30 yards of space for a lot of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think the thing about it, you were talking about Tom there and the fetish he's done already. We were talking about matchups for the final already. And the that'll kick into gear straight away. And you're trying to think of someone that'll be suited to Con O'Callaghan. And maybe he might be the man. And, you know, he's on top of his game at the moment. And it might be... 
uh, you know, it might be the next step and it's a huge step to Mark Canocallan where he's the, at the level he's playing at at the moment. But um, it might be something the lads will look at. But uh, I agree with you. I think that uh, Tyg has been very secure all year and it's been a feature of Kerry so far that he is making that number three jersey his own and he has given that bit of stability there. And uh, he did very well in Matty Donnelly. Ronan mentioned it, that he wasn't really a factor in the game, as he can be. He kicked two good points in the first half, but he never really dominated the way that he can. And uh, when he went on to Max Shane then as well for the last um, 15, 20 minutes, he did very well in him as well. And, um, you know, with Jason, Max Shane is one of the foreign players in the country at the moment. And there was space. There was good ball going in in the first half in particular. I thought he did very well. Um, you know, it was a kind of a 50-50 battle. McShane won a few, kicked a few scores. Jason won a few, cleared them. Um, he was under a bit of pressure in the second half. But, um, you know, look, overall, once Kerry won, it's it's the most important thing. Yeah, and, and I suppose, like, the big turning point came after halftime. I mean, Kerry were very lacklustre in the first half run and couldn't really get anything going. I mean, I actually brought, I brought my, it's funny, I brought my kids to the game. It was their second game in Croke Park. Now, Fitzy, you won't want to, the first game was the first Super 8 game against Galway last year. And I actually was giving out to the lady who gave us tickets because we were down low on the hog and we got absolutely drowned. We were trying to buy ponchos and there was none available. So that wasn't a great first experience with no atmosphere and a half-empty Croke Park, Fitzy. And yesterday, we were up and we were dry. It was lovely. And the atmosphere and, the, and the, the way the game went in the second half, the way Kerry kind of stole momentum and just grabbed it and wrestled it away, the whole kind of crowd that were there, even though it was a very small crowd, what, 34,000, 33,000 people? But it felt like it was more because of the way that, you know, the, the game kind of went. But what was the big kind of turning point, I suppose, Ronan, like that, that changed the course of the game for you? Look, I think um, we're... Um McGeary was it went through you know that was huge you know that was probably a goal opportunity for Tyrone if he you know if he ex- kept his head there and executed that properly and the next thing they're picking the ball out at the other end out, out of the goal um, that was huge and that's why you know this thing about favourites and, and all that there are turning points in these matches you know that come down to split second decisions um, I would have felt in the first half I actually felt Kerry should have been more patient in the first half than they were um, you know, you talk about the atmosphere and you know the the game being dull and all that. That's what you get when you play Tyrone, and you actually yeah. almost have to tell the players, look, forget about that. You know, that's the way it's going to be. You have to be patient, hold the ball, not take it into contact. Um, but look, as the game opened up, obviously, you know, you know, Kerry found the gaps. Obviously, Tommy Walsh made you know made a big difference as a kind of focal point in the attack. Um, and and look, they kicked some great scores under pressure. You know, um, Kenny got a great score from under Hogan stand and. Clifford kicked a great point under pressure, actually. Um, but I felt, look, that was a key turning point, really, where, um, you know, you're, you're going through for goal, you lose it, and the next thing you're four points down at the other end. Yeah. Um, and I think Kerry looked reasonably comfortable from there, um, from there on, and, uh, and saw it out well. Yeah, like the small margins, like really, isn't it? It's just tiny, tiny little differences between, between winning and losing. And like you mentioned, you know, Tommy Welch obviously made a made a massive impact, but like I think all all the Kerry bench had a had a significant you know played a really significant part in the whole thing. Tony, they did. Um, I mean, I think Jack Sherwood has asked a big question for the final. You know, and I know you know we're throwing it ahead already, and you know Fitzy's mentioning matchups and these kind of things, but 
you know, if you were looking at the Kerry side and, you know, in terms of the Kerry side that finished, in terms of what they'll do for an All-Ireland final, you have got to now put Jack Sherwood back in the mix. Adrian Spillane didn't have a great game yesterday. Now, Adrian Spillane, in fairness, has come in when he replaced Jack Barry and has done very well. And, you know, you don't make a decision on that. But I just thought Sherwood was really good. I suppose Gavin White hasn't got as much mention as Sherwood and Tommy Walsh, but I still thought he brought energy. Um, I thought Brino Begliak, who obviously was a late change, played very well. Somebody actually was saying to me last night they thought that Brino Begliak was under a bit of pressure. I actually thought on ball... I thought he was really, really good, used it well. But in terms of what Sherwood brought, um, I mean, apart from the score, which he got, which is kind of almost become his trademark outside of the left boot at this stage. But yeah. he, I just think he just did, re, he executed all the, all the right things really, really well. And I suppose the decision now is, and I know Eamon is a big fan of horses for courses, like Jack Barry came on near the end yesterday has always done very well on Brian Fenton. Actually, for me, has almost kind of made too much of a name for himself for being the person to stop Brian Fenton. I'd rather he went out and, and, and was his own thing. But you know of a situation. Does management stick with Adrian Spillane? Do they look at Jack Sherwood? Or do they say, Jack Barry has always done well on Fenton? Yeah, look, I, I, I don't know what Eamon feels about this, but Kerry actually, and I'm not going to start lecturing Kerry people, but with three people inside in the room, right? But I do think you actually forget the game yesterday, which I suppose brought uh, you know a certain challenge that 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 Dublin won't bring. Um, and you look at it, you, you know they'll obviously look look at training for, for for the next couple of weeks, but they may have to pick people out of the blue for specific jobs that maybe weren't involved yesterday or came on yesterday or. You know, there will be this rush, obviously, to play Jack Sherwood. And, you know, obviously, I've no issue with it, but it may not be the right one, depending on what way they want to set up. And, yeah. you know, almost park yesterday, move on and focus on the on the task ahead. I don't know how you feel about that, Eamon. But. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Ronan. And I think the thing that um, Peter and the lads have done very well all year, and particularly during the summer, they've used the squad very well. Uh, fellas have been in starting games They've been on the subs bench the following week. They've been even in the squad the following week. So it has mm-hmm. been a kind of a horses for courses approach and they've certainly approached it that way. Uh, farm and training will be big over the next couple of weeks. You know, fellas, some fellas will have a natural dip. Probably fellas that have played a lot of football this year and have uh, done very well so far will have a, a, a bit of a dip as you go into that three-week block to get ready for an All-Ireland. But other fellas then will put up their hand. Um, the only worry you would have for the likes of Jack Barry is his lack of football so far this summer and he's a fella that needs football. So they'll get plenty of good quality football into the likes of him over the next couple of weeks. But I think what... Peter and the management have done is they've given themselves loads and loads of options uh, which is what you want facing into an All-Ireland final they'll have plenty of thinking plenty of chatting to do but it's it's a very powerful position to be in to have those options rather than now suddenly being in a position of being in an All-Ireland final and saying okay lads what are we going to do they have a lot of different things they can try and a lot of different things they can go and that's a huge positive and you were mentioned just even the strength of the panel I remember we played we played Legion in a county league game about whatever it was four weeks ago and Jonathan Lyon was playing centre back 
And the following week, he wasn't even in the panel for, for that, that Kerry game. And the following week, he, he came on and played 40 minutes at wing back against Ryan McHugh in the 26. And, and, and guys have kind of done that. Like you mentioned, they haven't been involved and, and they've been left play a couple of games with their club and then they're back and they're involved in the mix. So like the beauty of it now is you're going to have three weeks and fellas who weren't even involved in the 26 yesterday are going to say, Jesus, if we're, if we're going well here, we've got a realistic shot of actually being, being in the mix, you know? Where are we on Tommy Walsh? Because obviously Mike, you're his, I mean, you're his club manager and obviously Eamon had him inside with Kerry. Is it, like yesterday was a big day for him, Mike. It was a big, big day, you know. I mean, in his own mind, I'm presuming, even <clears throat> coming down on the bus last night, he must have almost felt this was worth all the grief that I've put up with for the last three, four years in terms of rehab, in terms of getting back and doing all those things. But is he going to be one of those unlucky guys who you're saying, yeah, no, we need to keep him in reserve. We need to actually spring him, you know, rather than actually starting him. I mean, where, where are you, do you think, on that now? See, I, I'm, not like, I'm not like you with a, with a rush to, 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 you know, saying Jack Sherwood needs to start or Tommy yeah, Welsh needs to start. No, no, but yeah, I mean, put him in the mix, but like, like even you're, you're saying, yeah. you're saying that he'd mix. be unlucky. <clears throat> like... I think I, I, I don't I don't I never <clears throat> I've never got the clamour to you know he, he's I think that Tommy Welch and Jack Sherwood and all the rest of them like can play a massive part whether whether that's for twenty minutes or whether it's to play the first forty minutes I don't think he'll care to be honest because I think now Tommy you know and I've only, I only had a few text messages with him yesterday evening but like he he now feels like a player of significance again for Kerry like and while it was great that he played against Meath. That game was was just a couple of levels up from a dead rubber, really. Like they were always going to qualify out of the group as as, as a top team, and and he played, and that was great. But yesterday's game, like against in 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 a semi final of a game that you were down a point or two when he came into the game, like no no he's you know that's meaningful, like that's big time action now for Tommy, and that that kind of validates his decision to to go and get back involved when Peter Keane rang him at the start of the year when when a lot of people probably advised him against it and said maybe it's not going to work out Tommy maybe the wheels aren't what they what they were before you left for Australia and you might be better off but you know he had a bit of belief and he had a bit of confidence in himself and it's it's nice to see that kind of courage rewarded by you know by 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 things working out the way they did and like we were just mentioning it outside Fitzy about when he came back from you know when he came back initially from Australia and, and the panel and and I was saying to him and like in in hindsight and I said this to Tommy at the time, like that I, I would love to ha- for him to have played a couple of games with his club, a good few games with his club, to try and get back into the mix. And like Fitzy is making the point, which is very valid, like that there wasn't club games at that time, you know. So to go back in and, and training with Kerry before the county league even even started was something that was going to naturally happen for him anyway. But like that was that was where I think that whole period, like where he his ball skills and his his physical ability. I think he's moving way better now than he was three or four years ago. Like you, see, like this guy playing with his club now is back running the way he was running before he left for Australia. He's powerful and and quick. Like he won a kick out yesterday. Out of all the balls that was kicked him to full forward, he won a kick out in front of the Cusick stand. And as I saw Shane Ryan lining up to kick it, he kind of he kind of just it was one of those with the inside of the boot. He floated it towards the Cusick, and he put he gave Tommy about a sixty yard sprint down the line in front of the Cusick stand. And I was like, oh man, please get get to this ball and get your hands in the ball. And to be fair, 
he, he, every yard that he was gaining and, and or going past the guy he was there, hands out in front, won a ball, won a crucial free, he put the ball down, jogged up the pitch, and it just showed physically how much he's, he's come on in those, in those couple of years, Fitty. He has, absolutely, and I think that's a big part of it that, you know, he had a bad injury in Australia and it took him a while to get over that and it possibly took him going back to his club to get to get that kind of continuity going with his body again. And even the first summer he went back to Yee in 2016, he had a very injury-interrupted year, even that year, even in the county championship, he was only patched together trying to play it. But he really rehabilitated his body and probably his mind and everything else in 2017, and in particular last year. Um, look, on a personal level, I'm absolutely delighted for him because... Um, you know, when he was in with us and it didn't quite work out, he was so professional, he was so, you know, as is their breeding, as is the way they are, as is the way their dad is, he was so courteous, there was no sour grapes, there was no throwing his ties out of the cot, he gave it everything, he felt it wasn't working out, he wanted to go back, but I do remember, and I was thinking about him last night, he did say to me when he was uh, finishing up with us that time, and after the league final in 2016, he just felt that he needed to go back to his club, and he said to me, um, look, I don't feel that my Kerry story is over, and I said, I, I agree with you, I don't think it is either, and uh, I suppose from the practical point of view with Tommy, with us, he was in with Kieran Donny as well, and he was he was in effect when he came back from Australia. He was an understudy to Kieran, and if we started Kieran, if that wasn't working, well, you the tendency was to mix it up and not go with another target man again. Yeah. If Kieran was in the bench and it wasn't working, well, Kieran was going to be the first man in. Then if we wanted to change it up, so there was that element as well that he was almost competing with Kieran for game time, and Kieran was playing so well that. Uh, you know, it wasn't happening for him, and it was just a, it was a practical thing. But um, as I said, I'm delighted for him. He did so well yesterday, and like you said, he's a real player of significance again for Kerry. And uh, and the Dubs fear him. They don't. They don't. They don't. You know, they won't like to see him coming. He gives something different, and he gives them something that can cause them um, problems. I just make a general point there about you know players coming back from injury. You have a bit of dilemma, you know, it sounds great, go back and play with the club and play matches, but very often, you know, this should be the case, and what they're getting inside in senior training is at a level higher than they're getting with the club, you know, so yeah. you've, you that you have to be kind of careful with that, um, you know, if you have, you have a panel there, and we'll, we'll say obviously preparing for, for a final or semi-final, you know, 30, 34 players, and like you throwing a ball there in, in training in A versus B, like that is at an elite level, you know, better than anything they're going to get in a club game or club training. So I suppose the ideal there is that you're able to pop them back to the club, like you explained there with Anton Line. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's ideal. Flooding you know, with football, like coming and out, yeah. you know, as suitable. But I, I think the thing of sending them back, you know, two three months with the club, uh, you know, and expecting them to come out of that, to come back into an intercounty setup, I don't think happens. Yeah, you know? no, no. I mean, but like the idea, the ideal scenario would be. You tip away with the county on, on during the week, and if there's a club game, no matter what it is, leave him play that and go back in a couple. Like it wasn't even an injury, really. I, well, the injury was a part of it, but at the time, physically, he was saying he was grand. But his his thing was he was after being kicking an oval ball yes, for yeah. for five years. So he he needed to reacclimatize to to the round ball and just to get flooded with football. And you know. I, and I think there's probably been a change over the last couple of years where you know intercounty managements are trying to get fellas back. I think so. Yeah, you know, playing with if it's if it's right, depending on the volume of work that's been done and all that. Um, you know, certainly you 
conceding. Kerry, we tried to do it this year as much as we could. Um, and even the Terry Dublin, you know, that fellas, you know, they need the football depending on how involved they are at the panel, you know. So I think it's a positive all round. And just just on that point, like Fitzy, where. Like I, I, I can't. I could never see the downside of that. Now, outside of obviously, you know, you're talking about we, you have two or three weeks to prepare for a big championship game, and you're you're trying to, you know, get all your 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 ducks in a row and make sure tactically you've everybody fit and healthy and do all that. But I mean, in the in 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 the kind of you know in that period where where maybe there's three weeks to a game and it's the first of the three weeks or whatever, and there's county league or there's club games on. I just I always had the had the in in my own had the impression that even. Outside of the physical kind of improvements that fellas can make and the confidence they'll get out of playing with their club and being the man playing with their club, mentally it's it's something that's just very refreshing. I think for for I know you might have a different obviously perspective because you're on the other side of the fence, but I just think it can be really refreshing for a group to go out and go with your your buddies and play a game and then come back in the next week and it's and it's a little bit of freshness back into the whole kind of thing as well. Do you, you know where are you with that or? Yeah, I remember Donald Cusack saying, I think for one of the other, and I think the 06 other, and the Cork had a five week run in to the game. And I think in hindsight, there's, you know, he said they should have gone back to their clubs, that they were actually together too long. Too and, long, yeah. you know, in that kind of training camp mentality. Um, look, I think it's a thing that you need cooperation from from the clubs. So, you know, you release a player to, to, to play. You know, often there you're saying, look, let him play 40 minutes or, mm-hmm. or, or, or 45. And, and to be fair, most of the clubs, you know, do that. Like we'd had a scenario this year where a, a fellow played a game where the club were winning by 20 points and, and they didn't take him off, you know. That's only one. Yeah. But generally speaking, I suppose, look, you know, the clubs, we try to release them as much as possible and, and, and clubs do cooperate with us and I think everyone gains. No, just uh, just to add to that, I suppose, the from the, I agree 100% with what you're saying, Michal, but where you look at it from the the practical side is that let's say you're into that bubble in the summer you're three weeks out from a game the players actually don't want to play yeah. the county league game because you're training with Kerry at the weekend you've had your Tuesday Thursday session they're coming from work it's you know it's it's an intense session working towards football at the weekend mm-hmm. you're playing a match in effect at the weekend every weekend and that's a chance for the fellow who would be playing the county league game to prove his point mm-hmm. and if he goes off and plays the county league game absolutely there is all the healing like that you thought about and all the positive sides but he's gone down the pecking order at best he's staying where he is at worst some other fella jumps above him so they realize very fast that hold on i know which side the bread is buttered on here if i want to be a carry player i have to be here i think the thing we always try to do is that let's say we 33 or four bodies if a fella played only 10 or 15 minutes absolutely he'd go off and play with his club and play a half or whatever but you only know that on the day then and it's not ideal for the clubs this fella's ringing up his club manager who's given the team the night before suddenly he's available and there is no ideal solution to it but I I 100% get what you're saying then if you let's say Kerry train on a Saturday as we usually did there's a game on a Sunday a fella has played 45-50 minutes on top of a load of that week He's he's in danger of injury. Then if he plays on Sunday, so it's just a balancing act. I think definitely from my perspective, I'd love for the lads to have been able to play more club football because I think that's the way it should be. But just when you're inside in an elite environment and you're trying to look after them and get the best out of them, it's hard. Yeah. That, I suppose that's the point I'm making. And just to make the point, you can agree with everyone that you know, you know, I've said you were for it and we try it. 
but we don't get much opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. because of, of, of the reasons he's outlined, you know. Um, like if you're doing a, a session on a Saturday and it's, you know, and it's a heavy proper session, then, you know, you don't release the yeah. players to play. So, look, there's a good intention there and you do it when you can and you try and, you know, help fellas who aren't getting much football. But the opportunities aren't aren't there too often. And if he goes out on if Rory Dean plays a goes out on Sunday afternoon playing a, a club game and he tears his hamstring, sure it's all going to fall back on. And uh, who's who's the manager that left him play? That was uh, a terrible it, it decision. Doesn't, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know. But even but just before we get off those substitutes, Eamon, because I know like Jack Sherwood was a guy as well yesterday, that I, and I know we've mentioned him already, but that I was particularly pleased for because you know that that time he came on kind of um, out of the blue I suppose against Kevin McMenamin uh, and and it didn't and it didn't work out um and he, he kind of he he kind of just fell away a little bit and I think that kind of rocked him a little bit maybe and his football like he he never made the impact with Kerry after that 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 his football and his and his movement to, or his ability to to run probably that we expected and I was just I was really really pleased for him yesterday to kind of have a very positive experience in Croke Park cuz that was probably the the you know the last kind of real big one that he had there yeah absolutely and again same as that I was delighted for him and I think sometimes when a fella doesn't make it under your reign it's almost like there's there's always some hidden agenda there there isn't it's a numbers game and if a fella isn't where he needs to be at the time you know he 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 goes by the wayside and he goes back to his club and that's it um I think I fierce time for Jack. I had him as an under-21 the year I was in charge of the under-21s. And he was with us then uh, with the senior set up for 13, 14, 15. Um, in 15 in particular, he had injuries and he had big injury problems with his hamstring. And he just had a very frustrating year. And after that, similar to Tommy, he went back to his club, played a lot of good club football particularly in the county championship for East Kerry and his athleticism really used to come to the fore in those county championship games um, but like you said look in 2013 that's what we thought of him Kevin McMenamin you know had got the goal in 2011 he was at the top of his game at that time we knew he was going to be brought on we had to detail one of our subs Tubby the man to come on and Jack was the man and he was playing that well in training that we felt he had the speed and the mobility and everything else to to stay with uh, Kevin McMenamin um, it didn't work out in the day but it wasn't like a case afterwards we said well that's Jack done we knew that it was a oh, big yeah. call to to throw him in and you know there the calls I, I was saying it to Tony yesterday with calls like that you make calls based on the information if it works you know as the calls worked yesterday you're brilliant yeah. If it turns out then that, you know, the information was flawed or it doesn't happen whatever way, it, it's, a, it's a bad call. But uh, I think all you can do as a manager is make, make the, you know, what Tommy yesterday, the lad said, what can Tommy give us? He can give a shape inside, there's space in there, we're not kicking in ball, he'll win it, he'll set up a couple of scores, he'll distract them. And he did all that. So yeah. it's a great call and it was a huge factor and he ploughed um, Niall Morgan upside down. Did you see that? Were you coaching him that, were you? He, he ploughed Niall. What, what age is uh, Jack Sherwood? Jack Sherwood was under 21 in 2012, so he'd be 28 now. So yeah, he's still and, a good age. And, and right? he's, he's, like, he's an interesting example of, you know, Cork had this with Paddy Kassan, they had it with John Miskla, you know, guys who had been in into the setup, you know, were left go off it and got an opportunity, we'll say, later, you know, in their careers. And um, and they can really, you know, the second opportunity, they can really benefit from it, you know. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I would say is, you know, that you have to be so patient 
Um, and like Jamie, we're very good at this. You know, very patient with players. You know, people expect them to kind of come through on almost you know in a year or two. You know, if you take a guy like like Shane Enright for example, mm-hmm. you know, I think he won an All Star at at, at twenty eight. You know, but you know he came a long journey. You know, he you know he was a player. You know who would have struggled. We'll say in the early part of his career, you know, teams would have felt they could have got at him. Um, he was very, you know, but by the time he had got to twenty seven, twenty eight, like he was very deserving of the All Star that he got that year. You know, he was marking all the best forwards and doing well on them. And you know, you have to you have to wait for players to come through. No, yeah. there's a balancing act there and, and holding on to them. You know, you know, and that you have to make that judgment call. But um, you know, I think we're very quick to discard players and 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 say, you know, and you you put two or three years into developing them, the strength conditioning, the work, you know, tactics and everything, and next thing you let them go. Yeah. Um, whereas maybe if you were just kept, you know, persistent with them for another year or two, you know, you get the benefit. And and like there is such a there's such an emphasis now on on the whole, you know, develop development squads, minors under twenties, and uh, and and that. It's a, it's almost like a factory. You know, you're producing you're producing players, so you got to get them senior action as quick as you can. But there is guys, there is people out there like like your John Miskellas or, or Jack Sherwoods, guys who are, who are maybe fell away or gone out of the limelight for a little bit. But if you're looking, if you look hard enough, there there's still a couple of guys there that 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 come full circle when they're 27, 28 years of age that that can play like Sherwood did yesterday. You know, a really meaningful part in in a big, big game that determines whether you're going to get to an All Ireland final or, or not. And know? they're not as overall, but the opportunity the second time, yeah. you know, and 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 kind of take it in their stride. Um, and you find that most players, you know, come into their prime at that age. You know, that that 27, 28, 29 bracket. Um, and and um, so look, it's important as I as I say to 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 persist with them. Mm. You know, and and speaking of persisting, lads, just on the. The Stephen O'Brien one yesterday, like Stephen O'Brien is playing, you know, some some serious football again, as he has done for a couple of years. But I think now he's, you know, he's nudging towards his prime, and and his decision making, Fitzy, is something that's really, really after improving. Like for a couple of years, he was a guy who who would put his head down and, and carry ball into 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 traffic, and you now he was always winning frees or he he'd slip a guy in. But he, he's developing a bit of vision now and and real kind of good. You know, good decision making. I think in that final third, that that's a new kind of addition to his game. Yeah, and again, look, I think it's similar to what Ronan said there. You know, Stephen is a great guy, and he's a very his attitude and personality is exactly where you need it to be. And uh, because of that, then you know he's developed and developed and developed, and he keeps looking to improve the whole time. And he has improved year on year. I mean, when. You know, he was in 2013, he was involved as a kind of a panel player with us and I knew him from the under-21s and I knew that there was, you know, a serious player in there. But I I told him in 2013, look, you're probably not going to make a panel this summer unless you absolutely shoot the lights out. But learn, soak everything up, develop yourself because, you know, come next year's league, you are going to be in our plans and you'll get an opportunity. And he ended up starting an All-Ireland final then at the end of 2014 and winning an All-Ireland medal. And he has looked to improve incrementally every year and he has and he's really in a good place strong place now and you know it's it's essential for Kerry that that black card I presume the meat one will be the one that they'll be looking to appeal and once that's rescinded you know he's he's essential to Kerry once that's rescinded once yeah. once it is is that uh, yeah. is that said with certainty or? yeah is it it seems to be no, no absolutely not I, I don't have the power to but it, it was a very soft black card wasn't it yeah, I only saw it for the first time actually last night. I hadn't actually seen it the, the day in Navin. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea how it was even 
construed as a black card in the first instance and I'm presuming the appeal process will take its own form but Mike yeah exactly what you're saying I thought one of the I suppose it's one of the obvious things you look for from your experienced players is leadership but when you look at what Stephen O'Brien what Paul Murphy and particularly what David Mourne and Paul Ganey brought yesterday um, I mean, I must admit, I thought Ganey yesterday was absolutely back to his best. I thought all the stuff he did, even like certainly like for set, setting O'Brien up for the goal, I thought that point at the end that put them back four points ahead was absolutely key because, you know, I just, I had that fear because you have so many kind of callow talents on the field, like that as long as it was three points that they were vulnerable. Mm. Um, you know, you could see Tyrone creating a goal chance and you felt that Kerry had to keep it four ahead. And I suppose in terms of leadership, Stephen O'Brien is probably one of those quartet now who's you look to as kind of being a guy who will make the decisions, the right decisions at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think those lads that you named there, they, they have a huge amount of experience built up uh, over the years, uh, good and bad experience, winning big games, losing big games. Um, they know what it takes at this stage. And, uh, you know, I think another thing with all of them as well is they're all uh, pushing into their prime or they're getting towards 30. And they know that this thing doesn't go on forever and that when you're there and you have these opportunities and you're coming towards the end of the championship that you you have to make the, the opportunities count. We've been very close the last couple of years. I think that we haven't been that far away, but we haven't got back to final. We haven't won the All-Ireland. And those lads know that, and they know that when you get these opportunities, you have to grab them. And I think there was very much an element of that yesterday. And probably the older players stepping away, Kieran, uh, Anthony Maher, Dunica, uh, Darren, uh, you know, in the previous year with the likes of Mark, Aidan O'Mahony, those fellas, that Sheen. vacuum, Brian Sheehan, that vacuum that has been left by those fellas leading, it can, leaving, it can go two ways. Either fellas step up and fill the vacuum or there is a, a leadership vacuum. And these fellas have really stepped up and have filled that vacuum. And that's great to see. That's a serious, like, that's a serious seven or eight players that you just, you mentioned there, you know, and for, and it's going to take a, some bit of a, a Transition, if you want to call it that, to, to for for that leadership to emerge, and, and David Moore, without without talking only about all the Kearns rallies fellas, like Moore, I think is is starting to really though he's he wasn't you wouldn't have called him a leader three years ago, Fitzy. I, I don't think in the way he is now, like now he's your now he's your guy that's standing up and saying, kick me out the ball, I'll win it, and I and I'll make something happen going forward. He's I think he's just taking real kind of ownership over the whole thing and like Ganey and, and all of them obviously but when you're in the middle of the field it's easier to do it because you can affect the play a little bit more and he just seems to me now that he's involved in all the key kind of moments of, of the games. Yeah, I know I, I disagree with you. I'd always have seen him as one of our leaders and I think the, the key with him this year uh, is he's playing very well and when you're playing very well and when you have that leadership in you uh, and you're looking for the ball and you can execute what you want to do, you can make real impacts in the games. I I remember, uh, you know, my first time saying, yeah, this fella's going to be an item. I remember in the 2008 semi-final, I can't remember, was it the draw or replay against Cork? And I'd say it might have been the replay that Kerry won. David came on as a sub in that game, and I'd say it might have been his first ever, ever time uh, playing for Kerry. And yeah. he he demanded a kick out in front of the Hogan stand. He was this young fellow coming after in. Just Cork had got a goal at Ronan, I think, wasn't it? And yeah, he yeah. he put his hand up and yeah. he called it. And uh, Dearmid 
kicked the, the ball out in his general direction and uh, sorry Murph and uh, uh, David won the ball and Kerry went up the field and got a score and I just remember that, thinking at the time that takes big courage for a fella and you were coming into a team there that was winning all Ireland's and you know there was a lot of big names and what have you around you and I think you know that's obviously just a snapshot of the time but I would have seen him as one of the leaders in our dressing room I think he's when he speaks he speaks he doesn't overdo it he speaks well he speaks to the point he's a good uh, habit of saying the right thing at mm-hmm. the right time so um, you know but again I think that his form is in the place at the moment where that authority is 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 being imposed on the game yeah. as well, which is yeah. which is positive. And I think with all the guys that you you mentioned there, like he he, he would always and listen, he he'd be he'd be the key guy in 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 our dressing room when he's when he's playing, obviously. But even in with Kerry now, I think that while all those guys, Danny, he were so you know dominant, not domineering, but were 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 so huge in the dressing room, and and they were the guys that people looked to immediately. Since all those guys have left now, I think he's. You know he's elevated that side of his game as well. You know, and that's funny. Two thousand and eight, that that game you mentioned. I, I remember. I remember that very bit. I said to him after. I said, Jesus, Dave, that was ballsy, man. That was that was that was big time stuff. There, he says, Jesus Christ, I never thought he was going to kick it to me, <laughs> <laughs> but he did, and he made some catch under the Hogan. Yeah. Can I just mention Morris Deegan briefly and the referee yesterday? Watching in real time. Uh, in Crow Park uh, in the first half Fitzy I thought like Sean O'Shea got a lot of treatment um, Conor Myler was all over him and you're looking at the umpires and you're looking at the linesmen and you're saying to yourself like you know what is going on here like I mean is there any communication are they going to do anything about this then hey presto in the second half Morris Deegan is making calls left right and centre about fouls that are going on um, up the field and that kind of stuff and I'm, I'm reckoning someone had a word in his ear at half time but I came home last night and funny you throw on the game and it's amazing then when you a different perspective Kerry actually I thought got a lot of favourable sorry when I say a lot that's an exaggeration they got three or four what I would say very questionable frees Mickey Hart do you see the reason I wanted to check it out is Mickey Hart was mentioning it quite a lot in his post-match interview and he thought that Kerry were getting frees and I kind of thought Jesus, Mickey, what about Conor Myler? But when I went home last night and looked at it, there was three or four situations that Kerry got, I thought, very soft freeze that all led to scores. I, I don't know what you think of that. Will I let you handle that, Ronan? Will I? <laughs> you go first there, Evan, I tell you. Yeah, no, well, certainly where I was sitting anyway, Morris, Morris Deegan had plenty of fans uh, ranging from South Kerry Vices to Northern Vices, <laughs> either praising him or abusing him in equal measure. So I think that's the referee's lot. I think in a semi-final, a referee refereeing a semi-final knows that that's his final game of the season and there is a tendency to let it flow a bit more. Um, I did think Kerry got a couple of calls. I haven't seen the game back. I didn't get a chance to watch it last night. But um, we were probably due a few of them from the last couple of years. So uh, it was, it was, uh, I can, but I understand how Mickey Hart can be frustrated afterwards when you lose an All Ireland semi final by a goal and, you know, you feel a couple of calls have gone against you. It, it, is, it is a frustrating place to be. Been there, done that. Yeah, I, 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 I suppose, look. I'm not going to comment on a on a particular referee. What I would say in general is, um, you know, some of the you you look okay. Go to the go to the Mayo Donegal match, right? Um, look at Dublin Mayo in the first half. 
you know, the last day and the contact and the way the game was let flow. You know, you know, some of the some of the games there's a real inconsistency in what frees have been given for, I would mm. say. Um, and that's throughout the throughout the championship and that I suppose that would be a, a frustration from, you know, a, a management point of view that you go out, you know, for certain games and certain referees and you don't actually know you know, what qualifies as a free. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, you put you reach a hand in across, you know, it's given as a free automatically, you see the hand up, um and on top of that also I suppose there's an inconsistency in the application of the advantage rule and uh, you know, the amount of time that is allowed for for it to go on. Um look I, I agree with him. Look it's a very difficult job no matter what, you know, people are going to be dissatisfied. But I think I think it's it's fair to make a general point about the inconsistency of what frees are given for throughout the championship, I think, you know, they're 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 just chalk and cheese some of the matches. I, I think, Ronan, some sometimes the more physically game and the more that's going on the more it's left flow because I think as a ref you nearly have to let it flow because there's so much so going much, on. Yeah. You just you're, you're just kind of saying, sure, if I'm going, if I'm pulling this, and, and I think that's why the Dublin Mayo games have often been classic games because they've been left flow because it's just been there's just bedlam everywhere and you just kind of have to let it go. And I think the Donegal Mayo game that you mentioned as well was similar. There was so much stuff going on. It was a wet night. It was just left go. But talking about referees, I thought the minor referee yesterday, Mark McNally, I thought he had a very good game. I thought he was on top of things. He let the game flow. When he gave advantage, it was clear. And I, I, I was just impressed with him. I thought he was, you know, and obviously, unfortunately, from a Kerry perspective, we lost the game. But I definitely th- thought that he, I, I, I made a mental note. I said, this is a fella that we could see coming, coming in the future. I just thought he was very good yesterday. Brian Gavin in this morning's examiner, his column, an injustice if Goff fails to get final appointment, which suggests, as you said, Eamon, if Conor Lane or um, Morris Deegan isn't getting the final, is David Goff, an old friend of Kerry, uh, the likely candidate to take the final? Yeah, well, look, I I disagree with uh, Brian. I think it is an injustice if he does get the game, to be honest. Um, uh, You know, I think... I'm not going to be dictating or trying to get my thing about who should get the game. But to me, an All-Ireland final referee has to be a neutral referee. And I think if you're living and working in Dublin, you're not neutral. There's a natural bias there. We're all humans. If you're living and working in a place, you're meeting people going down the street, you're meeting people in the shop, you're meeting people at work. You know, it's it's it, it can be something that can be in your subconscious. I've no doubt that when... David Goff goes out to referee a game. Of course he's trying to be neutral and impartial. I'm not questioning that for a second. But I just think that there's a natural bias there. And it can't be, to me, it can't be fair that if you're living and working in a place that you get to referee an All-Ireland final based on that. It's tough on David Goff from the point of view that he is a very good ref. And, you know, Dublin are in the All-Ireland Finals every year. And because of that, maybe it's it's coming against him. But um, maybe he could move that loan or somewhere and he might uh, he might get the, the game after that. But uh, uh, I think, I, I, I do genuinely think that I, I don't. I, and I think from his own perspective, there's huge pressure on him then. The last time in the 2016 game when we had him, he had a bad day that day. He admitted it himself afterwards. Um, he admitted the foul on Peter Crowley, but there were seven or eight other calls in that game that were just the wrong calls. And uh, I, I think that he hasn't 
referee the Kerry Dublin game since and, and you, you think with, you think with a reason I mean I'm just you know looking at it now in fairness from David Goff's point of view is he going to is he going to miss out on a final because of something that happened three years ago because let's face it that's the elephant in the room here Kerry are going to be saying David Goff did us inadvertently or whatever in 2016 allegedly allegedly no no that's why I said inadvertently um, you know there was an incident well he in fairness Mike he admitted afterwards he, he missed it he, he just he, did. he didn't see it but like should he be should he then be punished three years later for that if well, he is the best referee and the most qualified referee to do this game I wouldn't be I wouldn't look at it as punishing him I think if you're living and working in a place it rules you out that, to me that, that's that's the way I would look at it I just think that if you're living and working in a place it, it's very hard then and you know if, if let's say for argument say Kerry got a couple of calls then he's going to have a, a miserable winter uh, li- listening to dubs everywhere he goes giving out that they, he stopped them winning the five in a row so uh, you know I, I I wouldn't be far as I don't think it would be the best call but um, mm, look obviously I'm a bit restricted here now on what I can say but look he did he did the Cork Dublin game and look I think he's a, an outstanding referee I really do and um, he you know, you always have a whinge, you know, for example, the goal, you know, that, that Dublin got for half time. Look, there's no question it was 30 seconds over mm-hmm. over the injury time. But, you know, that's not the way we looked at it. The way we looked at it is, you know, we didn't defend it properly and we should have seen it out to half time. Um, apart from that, you know, I, I had very little argument with, you know, look, I think he's a top ref and, you know, and I suppose I'd make the general comment, look, you, you pick obviously your top refs for, for the, a game of this stature and, and he's certainly one of those and I, I would feel should be in the mix for it, you know. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see which way it goes, but I don't think, I, I think Kerry people will certainly rather that, that, that he didn't get to mix in. And again, I don't know, I, I wouldn't go down the lines of punish him. I think he's precluded because because he's, he's probably got a conflict with where he's living and working. If there was If there was a Cork referee who was living and working in Kerry, he wouldn't be getting an All Ireland final between Kerry and, and and Dublin either. You know, I, I think I think that just probably knocks him out of the mix. But he'll probably get it now with all with all our with all our talk. You probably wouldn't know it from listening to the to the last half an hour. But there is another team going to be in the All Ireland final, um, and and they did have a have a serious second half against against the team that we thought were going to maybe put it up to him a little bit more. That was that was Dublin and Mayo on Saturday evening, and like I I was at the game. I was at the game on my own, and I happened to meet Owen Liston Bomber just after and, and we walked down town for um for a cup of coffee and and it was very deflating you were walking out of the stadium and it was very everybody outside of dublin supporters who were obviously you know absolutely ecstatic about the fact that they were going into a fifth you know a chance to win five in a row it was just deflating because you felt that this mayo team were the closest to them for the last number of years they had pushed them so well for the first 35 minutes. They were leading by two points. They were winning all the key matchups. There was none of the Dublin guys were were doing anything. The Galacticos were, were were all quiet. And then all of a sudden, Jim Gavin, quiet Jim, inside in the dressing room, flicked the switch. And these boys came out like the Avengers and, and blew Mayo out of the water in 10 minutes. Like... Where are you going? Like where? Where is? I, and I walked out of the game, Fitzy, saying, "Why are Tyrone and Kerry even playing tomorrow?" Like that's what I, that was my feeling on Saturday evening. Now it changed by Sunday, and I was walking down, skipping down the road with my two kids. Yeah. But like, like where you were at the game on, on Saturday evening? I was. First of all, tell the truth yourself. And Bomber didn't go for a cup of coffee. <laughs> we're not going to buy that on a Saturday evening in Dublin. Um, the yeah, look, I mean, in, in fairness to Dublin, they were outstanding in the second half. 
But again, we saw in the first half that there are vulnerabilities there with them. Uh, Ronan and the lads showed that up as well, um, you know, in their game against them. it's. I suppose there's two things with them. First of all is when you're on top, you have to make a count and you make a count by scoring goals. Mayo didn't do that or they didn't even threaten to do that. Second thing is then you can't, you can't turn over the ball against them. You just cannot turn over the ball against them because when they do that, that's where their goals come from. The two goals, the two first goals on Saturday night, Conor Callan's goal came from a ball that didn't go dead from a Paddy Durkin uh, shot at a point. Cluxton did very well to bat it down to himself. Second one came from Dermot O'Connor getting turned over in front of the Hogan stand down the field, back of the net. So, you do need the perfect performance to beat them. Can that happen? It can. It absolutely can. We beat them in the league final in 2017. And for that time of the year, it was as close as a perfect performance as we were going to get. And it can happen. It can happen on a given day. But the one thing with Dublin, if you want to beat them, you have to go and win it. They won't give it to you. Mm. They will not hand it to you. You have to go and win it. You have to earn it. You have to do everything right because they're not going to drop to a level that's going to allow you to win by two or three points. You have to go and win it. And uh, I think that's the way Kerry will be looking at it for three weeks' time. And Ronan, like he obviously had a, he had a right cut off him. What, was, you know, what jumped out at you from, from that game? Um, the importance of not of I'm not giving away turnovers was was key. You know, like we kept the ball very well for for long periods, um, and it, like literally, you lose the ball now. You know, and it's not just Dublin against against the top teams. You lose the ball. You, you're paying for it at the other end nearly every time. Um, I felt what was interesting yesterday was that yeah they had that period of dominance, but actually Mayo had opportunities to go down the pitch. And never and didn't take them, you know. It, I know they were pinned in, but they actually got out. Um, I, I think they had seven attacks actually in and around that period, mm. and got very little return, you know. So it wasn't just about you know not being able to win. They won enough ball to actually affect the scoreboard at the other end, and and, and didn't do it. But I suppose the key thing about them is, um, and and I've said this publicly before, you know, the the, the sixteen semi final, which I would say was probably one of the greatest games I've ever been at, right? Um, like what was absolutely marvellous about that game was like you on the line there, you did everything you could from the point of view of, you know, you disrupted the kick out. There was marvellous switches made, you know, where they made a switch, you made a switch, you know, it, everything was done. Um, and they ended up, like Dublin that day, ended up with nine forward players on the pitch, like with Kenny at wing back, were four points down twice, you know, in the, ga- in the second half and kept their composure. That was the key thing. They never... They never, you know, they were never, they were obviously rattled, but they kept playing, you know. Yeah. Like, you go back to the 82 final, we'll say, you know, Kerry and Offaly, right, mm-hmm. when Derby put the goal, the ball, if you actually look at the remaining two minutes of that game, Kerry, you know, panicked massively, yeah. you know, yeah. you Tom Splann shooting for a point from under the Hogan stand and he on the 21, you know. Yeah. Um, Tim Kennelly, you know, just pulling on the ball on the ground, kicking it forward, they won't do that. Yeah. And e- even if they are... You know, three, four points down with six minutes to go, they'll keep playing. And that's why, actually, if, if Kerry find themselves in that position, they must keep going at them, keep going forward um, and make gains, you know, uh, um, you know, against their defence. Yeah, that's a great. It's actually a great point about 82. Most people think that the whistle blew as soon as Derry hit the ball to the back of the net. But, like, I, I thought they started that second half as well, Ronan, like they which they hadn't had a lot of joy from the kickouts in the first half. Mayo went long with, with the majority of them and, and, and won a lot of those breaks, whereas in the second half, 
that first you know that first ten minute period they won they won the first four or five of Mayo's kickouts, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 they they got scores off off at least three of those, and they just they're like downhill runners as soon as they as soon as they start winning your kickout. They really, really put you on the on, on the back foot from that fit. They do, and the hill becomes a factor in that as well. The hill, you know, especially in the big games, they really they propel them down the field when it's into the canal, and they suck them up the field when it's into the hill. They, the the volume of noise, you know, that seven or eight minute period after half time, the last day, and they thrive on scoring goals and catching kickouts. The hill really react to those moments mm-hmm. and and they had those big moments but like Ronan said that's the thing and I've said that before that's the thing that I admire most and it's probably the hardest thing to get into a group is that not panicking keep doing the right things I actually think that they get better in those situations mm-hmm. they, they, they live for those moments they live to be challenged and they live to have to show what they're all about and and they're, they, they really are brilliant at doing exactly that being in the moment making the right decisions keeping grinding away even that league final that I spoke about that we just about got over the line right at the end of that Dean Rock had a, a free kick that hit the post, hit the post yeah. and it was going to extra time we were gathering ourselves we started saying I was asking our, our nutritionist Kevin Beasley have you the vitamins and whatever yeah, yeah, else yeah, ready yeah. for the extra time and he hit the post <laughs> which he doesn't he doesn't do too often and uh, we, we won the game by a pint and that was after getting so much right throughout that game you just have to Rona made the point there you have to keep going right until the end and eventually then you'll get there and you just have to earn it they're yeah. not going to give it to you they're just not going to give it to you but like that composure and going to the like that is that is the the quality that you're looking for in any team that you could possibly involve in but what what is it that they're doing outside of like they obviously have an amazing bunch of players right now talented and athletic and you know mentally so strong but they have that collective kind of mindset that we don't panic we won't we won't if you go if Mayo go two points ahead that's okay lads we'll, we'll find if Jack McCaffrey doesn't get a kick that's okay we'll 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 keep going we'll find a way how how what are they doing like to to instill that into the into that group I assume it comes from look you'd have to say it must come from their their manager and you know even his demeanor on the sideline is you know he's always in control and mm. um you know he never seems to get too upset either way, and even in the we said the the fourteen semi final where they lost to Donegal, you know he actually you know conducted himself throughout the game that way, came in and said the same thing afterwards after the game. So look, I suppose a, a manager transmits that, but maybe that's his personality. You know, would be my way of doing it, but our aim, and I've seen you in the line a few times, but <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. I think as well that they've been there so many yeah. times, they've grounded out so many times that that builds a, a massive belief in the group and you know they probably try things in training where they throw things at them and they've scenarios where they're disrupting them and trying every kind of a thing to get them to think their way through it and um, they're just very good at doing it and the thing with them as well is it's not always the same players they have their big players they have the Fintons the Kilkenny's the fellas that kind of generally guide the way but you know, against us in that game in 2016, it was Dear McConnelly that stepped up. 
at the end, even though he hadn't had a major impact up until that point, uh, you know, in 2013 in the game, it was McMenamin at the end, Michael Darren McCauley won a massive flick, you know, that he died yeah. full length to flick for the for the goal for, for McMenamin. So they have different fellas that step up on different days. Flynn has, ste- has stepped up plenty of times. Uh, they're not relying on one or two fellas. Different fellas step up when the need is there and that's just a sign of true champions, really. I, I think that 16 game, though, was key. I, like, you know, they're obviously at the five now or, you know, on the, on the brink of it. But that was the one that they came through. And I suppose you get, you know, where they literally had everything thrown at them. You know, the kickout collapsed coming up to half time. You know, they were in real trouble, you know. Um, and obviously playing against the forward line, they were going to hurt them. They'd come out and chase the game. Um, and, you know, like Kerry gave everything that day, both on the field and on the line. And and they still came through it. And I suppose, you, you know, you, you gain a confidence from that. Mm. Then, you know, when you find yourself in that situation, we'll say, which did it with against Mayo, but they weren't like the, the situation against Mayo wasn't as desperate as it was in that game in sixteen, you know. And I I really think that was the key game for them in this run of games that they've had, you know, that mm. they came through that. And what of Mayo lads? What if like where do they go? Where does James Horn go from from here? You know, at, at half time, like he made the point after the game about about the the quick turnaround from from that you know the last Super Eight game to the semi final and. You know, he didn't out, say it outright, but he was probably suggesting maybe that they ran out of gas and physically that they were, you know, that they were tired, which which could well have been. But where do they go from here, Fitzy? I mean, are they are they like we every year we kind of draw a line to them and say that's it, they're gone, we won't see them again now for five years, and Andy Moore is going to retire, and this fellow's going to retire, and, and we won't see him. And then the next year we're we're taking our words back because they're they're back at the at the foot of the mountain again. Yeah, I think they, I I can't see too many of them retiring. To be honest, I think the only reason they'll retire. I saw a thing there last week about Chris Barrett's schedule. Uh, he's based in Dublin, and you know, in the gym on Monday night, as most players are finishing work three o'clock on a Tuesday to get in the minibus to go to Mayo for training. Wednesday gym, Thursday off, Friday finish work at three o'clock in a car down to Castle Bar to train, home to Belmullet, then play at the weekend. I think it's that kind of stuff Easier. that'll wear that'll wear the, wear a player down into retirement rather than a defeat. I think that once the body is willing and able, they'll keep going until they win it if they can win it. Um, I think for Mayo, particularly with the age profile of their team, it's key for them to win the Connacht Championship. Just from the point of view of getting silverware on the table, but also going the direct route. They were, you know, this year they had, was it eight games they had in that period? You know, that they had eight games in a pretty short period. They played a lot around the Super 8s and into the All-Ireland semi-final. That was down to have to play in qualifier games. The fact they were beaten in the Connacht semi-final then meant that they were gone that bit earlier. There was more qualifier games to play. And because of that, they probably did run out of energy at the end of it. So I think for him, with his age profile, it'll be key for them to um, to win uh, the Connacht Championship and keep everyone uh, injury free. They were un- very unlucky with injuries sure. this year. I mean, Dermot O'Connor just came back. Well, yeah. Jason Doherty was a huge loss yeah. to them. He's a, he's central to what they do. He's such an effective. I think probably underestimated a bit, but he's a seriously effective forward when they have the ball and without the ball, he just absolutely gives himself to the team tackling and also disrupting runners he's he's excellent at that so they need to win the Connacht Championship and keep everyone in their squad fit and if they do that of course they can be an item again
Yeah, and this this was this was their heaviest defeat, obviously, to Dublin in a long time, and and that was probably the the bookies had it at, at minus five, you know. And you thought if it was in and around that, that's where that's where everybody else was clinging on to a little bit of hope that if 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 Mayo can keep this to four, five, six points, then then you can easily make a case for you know at the time it was Kerry or Tyrone. Whereas when it was a blowout, it was it was that that's where the deflation and and the, and the sense of of loss came as you were heading yeah, down I, to Piper's Corner. I but think Mike, it was a big ask for them, you know, to come off the the game the, the previous week. Um, you know, they did a couple of things against them. Obviously, they they played the six day turnaround from a, a very heavy game, and like it does take you know the same, and like it, it just like it takes you're doing nothing really the week of the game and even mentally to try and and if you have up for it to come up against a team you know at, at the level they were playing against. Mm-hmm. Then the injuries to obviously key players and look, I know they got Ruan and Dermot Connor onto the pitch, but again, I think you've alluded to this before. I mean, you know, when you're when you're not, you know, training properly and training fully, it's it's almost impossible at this stage to come into a game of that level and and and, and impact it. Look, and and I think both really had had minimal influence in the game. Ruan and Dermot Connor having had very good good seasons, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a huge ask to come in when you're not when you're not fully fit you really have to be 100% fit now at this stage to Rowan came in on, on, on Brian Fenton like you know and, and like he's he's probably their most athletic around there the, the, you know the guy that was going to do a best job in him but Jesus that's some ask after being out for a month or two to come in to the best footballer in the country and, and, and try and keep a handle and to his credit he probably did okay in the first half and he, and he held him relatively quiet and it was after that he he, uh, he took off really what about that first 35 minutes Eamon because you know everybody's looking for the template everybody's looking for the game plan that you know whether it beats Dublin but that certainly slows Dublin down and nullifies that and I mean I'm still looking for the explanation as to what happened after halftime everybody's you know this morning talking about you know Dublin flicked this switch and you know I I genuinely believe I'm I'm with Ronan on this I definitely believe the short turnaround um, you know, hurt Mayo hugely physically. But in terms of what they did in the first 35 minutes, I mean, the first question I'd ask you is, are Kerry capable of that? Are Kerry in their development at a level to do what Mayo did in the first half in terms of A, with the ball, being patient, and B, shunting Dublin into areas and, you know, affecting really, really good turnovers and that kind of stuff? Yeah, look, of course they can, but I think from the Kerry perspective... I think the way that we have been playing and the way that they'll probably play in the final is it'll be quicker than the way Mayo are playing uh, in that period. Mayo, you know, had had a solid first half, but they didn't hurt Dublin enough on the scoreboard. They're almost too patient. Uh, I felt that when they were on top, and again, these are the calls. If they had started Andy Moore and they would have had him inside and they would have had the shape that Tommy Welch gave Kerry towards the end of the game, that was absent for Mayo definitely in the first half, the last day. But then... If Dublin had been bombing up the field and Andy Moran was redundant, it would have been a foolish call. So just the way the game panned out, maybe if he had been in there, it would have been uh, it would have been an option for them. But uh, look, I think Kerry will attack them, and they can hurt them. They can hurt the the Kerry forwards can hurt Dublin definitely. But it can be as simple against Dublin as having the ball. If you have the ball, if you're putting them backwards, if you're sucking their forwards out of position tracking you, tackling you and you're scoring and killing the ball 
you, you know, you can ask questions of them, but if they have the ball and you're turning over ball and they're coming at you in waves, that's where it's hard. That's when it's a long day out then. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to be about having the ball. It's going to be about primary possession. It's going to be about kickouts. Can we disrupt Cluxton? Can Shane Ryan is going to get a test? He hasn't got yet. Oh, yeah. And it's go, you know, that's going to be hugely important and hugely significant. But if, 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 if Kerry can get enough ball, of course we can hurt Dublin, but it has to go dead then. That, that is the, definitely the thing. In terms of what happened in the second half, it was their body language, it was their intent, it was their attitude. They upped it, they won the throw-in, Dean Rock got the free, and they went from there. And like Ronan said, Mayo needed to stop the bleed, and they had chances and they went up the field, but they didn't, they didn't get a score just to calm the whole thing down and say, OK, lads, we're facing a kick out here again, let's go after it. And in the other games in 2016 and 17, they did that very effectively where they got, they got scores and they pushed them back up the field and they disrupted Cluxton again, but um, they just probably ran out of legs yesterday and they didn't have the energy to do it. Keanu Neal actually made an interesting point last week when we were talking about fatigue and it was more physical fatigue and he made the point that you don't feel the physical fatigue as much until you're in a position where your brain mentally starts telling you Jesus we're under serious pressure here and and that's what happened at the start of the second half like there was no issue Mayo were running like gazelles in the first half they were all over the place and you were saying Jesus now they look they look fresh and they look energetic and everything's good but as soon as as soon as Dublin started to to push them towards the cliff, you could see Aidan O'Shea, his energy levels dropped after being around the place tackling and hitting everybody and winning breaks. His energy, all of them, the same way Colin Boyle started to look tired. And, and it's amazing, like when a team gets on top and has that momentum and are running over the top of you, that's suddenly then when your 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 physical fatigue starts to really take over. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose just one comment on Mayo is, you know, I would feel that, um, you know, he has done well in James Horn in introducing um, newer players into the, you know, I, I, I don't think it's all negative. I think a lot of players will stay, as, as, as Eamon has said, but um, James Carr, Phil McDonough, you know, um, the young Connor back um, on, I don't know who was it, yeah, yeah. You know, he has definitely introduced players in the league and they have won a league, uh, you know, so I, I do think they'll they'll come back stronger for it and they have been unfortunate injuries. Um, I suppose looking at Kerry and Dublin, Kerry will actually find it easier to play against Dublin than they would have against uh, against Tyrone. But it is about it is about primary possession, about kick-out strategies um, and, you know, do Kerry, you know, have the smarts to to I suppose vary their 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 kick out approach, which they've done previously, obviously in, in years gone by, to ensure that you have enough possession and um, and when the game goes, you know, when the game goes against you, that you're able to kind of hang in there and and um, and uh, and not let it get away from you. That's um, that sounds easy, and 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 you. <laughs> You, it, it sounds lovely there, that template, isn't it? It's just, uh, no, and that's it, obviously, but it's going to be, and we'll get to it later, I suppose, in, in, in the next week or two, but like it's, it's, the, it's the final that most neutrals were looking forward to, you know, outside of Dublin or Mayo and Tyrone, should I say. It's the one that has that whole kind of ironic twist that, you know, can Kerry be the team that, that ultimately stop Dublin from doing a five-in-a-row. The team that they themselves, as you mentioned in 82, were, were scuppered as, as the first team in, in senior history to go and do that. So there's, there's going to be plenty about that in the, in the next couple of weeks. And Seamus Darby will surely make an appearance around the place. And, and it's whether Kerry can come up with a Seamus Darby of their own for the next three weeks and, 
and we'll see how it goes. So uh, we're going to wrap it there, everybody. And, and thanks to, to Ronan and, and to Eamon for, for coming in and to Tony and to Larry on sound. I uh, hope you enjoyed listening. With Renault, passion for what drives you. Official car partner of the GAA. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.